0: I'm Pete Hammond. And I'm
1: Dominic Patton. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today we'll be talking about film stars, movie stars, who are making the transition to television, along with some of the contenders for Best Limited Series for this year's Emmys. Plus, you're also going to hear some interviews done from our annual Emmys Contenders event with the cast and creators of American Crime and Genius. But first of all, and there's no one better to do this with than you, Mr. (laughs) Hammond, is talking about movie stars becoming TV stars. Yes, what it's, do you think? I mean, well, everybody's doing it. It's yeah. almost old
0: news. It is
1: old news. I mean, it's really been done
0: uh, for years and years and years. You you you've drawn these the, the miniseries category and the uh, uh, movies for television, which used to be more prevalent, and you used to draw some more of them in, um, have appealed to movie stars uh, in past years. I remember Meryl Streep and Al Pacino winning for Angels in America. You know uh, Emma Thompson. All these people who had done pretty much exclusively movies are finding the projects on television. And that's the thing. I talked to Jessica Lang about this. Jessica Lang has really moved heavily in the television. She's reinvented herself. With yes, with, with, with television, with Ryan, with Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. American Horror Story, she's picked up two Emmys. She'll inevitably be nominated again this year for Feud. Which
1: is, here's the strange thing is, Feud may play itself out in the more benign way on real life as it does in the depiction yeah. of, it, of of what happened between right. between um, Betty between Davis them and, and Betty Davis and, and Crawford, Crawford there because yeah. undoubtedly. Yeah through all my rambling of that, Susan Sarandon will be nominated too. Yes. And they will be going head to head, Head just like those two movie stars did in 1962. But, uh, you know,
0: Joan Crawford was not nominated for Whatever Happened to Baby Jane in Ah, 1962. Ah, but she was on stage. Uh, but she she actually uh, held the Oscar. She did, as Feud demonstrates, but she didn't get it. Wouldn't it be ironic if the Joan Crawford character was the one that brought the nomination for the Emmys to Jessica Lange and not to Susan Sarandon for playing Betty Davis. What if we have a split like that?
1: I think irony is not the word I would use. (laughs) And all I can hope is that Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty open that envelope. Oh my gosh, that would be so much fun. But I
0: loved seeing uh, these actors move into television. And, And anyway, I was talking to Jessica Lange about it and she said, you know, you do this because that's where the material is. She says the scripts are really good. It's much harder. She really said much harder to find movies to do these days. And she did a picture with Shirley MacLaine called Wild Oats. It and Weinstein had it. All these people barely, barely got released. I don't even think it got released. Mm. I think it's gone straight to uh, DVD land. Here you have Jessica Lange and Shirley MacLaine, which is kind of a kind of Oscar-winning you know, stars a way, yeah. trying to do a, a movie these days, and you know uh, they can't even get a shake. But on television, they definitely can. Well, this I mean, but look, I mean,
1: look at some of the quality of it. I mean, Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon were in um, Big Little Lies. Now, yeah. now Nicole has done HBO before. Yes. she did Hemingway and Gellhorn uh, back in 2012 which of course about Ernest Hemingway We both were and,
0: producers on this too e- exactly as this, were Sarandon and Lang on Feud
1: exactly and I yeah. think I think that's another component to this yeah. which is, is it brings in people as a stronger stronger performer yeah. because they're controlling the situation and right. I think also when you have extremely talented actors and actresses like this and people who know the industry they know what works for them they know what can work and how they can work with people but I mean look at other things. I mean you've got Anthony Hopkins in Westworld. Yeah. You've got Ewan McGregor on Fargo doing double duty. Right. You've got Crispin Glover, who, you know, I mean Crispin regardless of what you think, and Crispin is Crispin is definitely something. He's he's something. But he does not do a lot of television. What and, is Crispin and, Glover? Crispin Glover is, <laughs> is Crispin Glover is, in my opinion a true American artist. Okay. And I will say no more than that. <laughs> I but liked, I will loved him in Back to the Future. But, but he, I love Chris <laughs> almost everything he does, including appearances on David Letterman. He's great. But I will always, I mean, look at this. Sigourney Weaver yeah. is the villain in Marvel and Netflix, the Defenders series. Okay. So you're seeing people coming to these. You know, what my question is, is are we ever... You know, is this the wave of the future? Is this where it is?
0: I think it is, because look at all the film festivals. There is not a film festival now that doesn't premiere some television show. Oh, I, fir-
1: I firmly think the Sundance Film Festival needs to be renamed the Sundance Film and Television Festival. I know, right? I mean, the numbers are getting <laughs> way up there.
0: And it's happening with Cannes this year, too. We're seeing uh, Top of the Lake, uh, and speaking of Nicole Kidman, she's in And that. Elizabeth Moss, who shows up oh, in Elizabeth things, yeah. Moss. But you see them uh, mixing it up with their films that are theatrical films, Also, it can. And so it's all getting a a very thin uh, gray line here between TV and movies as far as it goes. As far as the stigma of it used to be terrible. If you went onto TV, it meant your career was basically over. This is it. You know, people forget that people like Lucille Ball was actually had a very successful film career. She did I Love Lucy, and that was that. That was all she was basically known for. So her film career ended. People feared that, even though, I mean, to be Lucy Obama on television was incredible. Look what happened to Carol O'Connor. He had a very successful movie career. He suddenly get, gets cast as Archie Bunker, and everybody, when they see his old movies now goes, there's Archie Bunker. You know, it it really does. Does a
1: terribly racist cop.
0: A lot of people... <laughs> A lot of people have. Oh, come a on, hard you have talk. to tell people what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, well,
1: uh, uh, in the heat of the night. He did the night.
0: Uh, of of course. course. He did the television series. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But
2: I
1: mean, also, too, I mean, there's the funny part about this, and you mentioned this, too. I mean, I, you know, I don't remember this because I wasn't born then, but I've read the stories about when Roger Moore came off television. To do James the saint. Bond, he was even though he saint. was the saint on television. Yeah, yeah. The idea of him going to the big screen and playing Bond was like, right. I mean, really? Or, I mean, I you know. couldn't find anybody else. I mean, in fact, of course, there was one person for one film between Connery and Moore. Conversely, we're now seeing, of course, we're going to see Daniel Craig coming to television. He's going to be on Showtime in a series. Oh. So you know, this the the, the movement, the migration between yeah. the two mediums. I don't think there's is, a it,
0: stigma anymore. You know, Pierce Brosnan uh, was desperate, yeah, in the sun and he was AMC. desperate to do James. Bond. Bond, and yet he was tied to Remington Steele at the time on NBC, and they wouldn't let him out. He lost his opportunity. They gave it to Timothy Dalton, but it came around again. And even with that TV exposure and that TV kind of thing there, he was accepted as James Bond. I think it works both ways now, I but I think in the past, it was a real problem that movie stars would not touch television.
1: But now, clearly television has the better scripts. Well, and I'll also say this, though, too. I mean, I think there's, and, and, and this isn't ageism, or rather it's identifying ageism, which is, I think a number of the actors we've been talking about are older or, or more mature in their career. Right. And I think that as Hollywood consolidates around the, these franchises that are basically meant for teenagers and, and people in their early 20s, where either something's blowing up or someone's wearing a cape and flying through something that's blowing up, or yeah. someone's reviving something that blew up 20 years ago and they're gonna make it blow up again, a lot of these incredibly talented Oscar winners, and we're yeah. talking about a lot of Oscar oh, winners. A lot sure. of them. Oscar winners have found that there is a better place for them, a better place for their talents on the yeah. small screen, or the streamers, which offer a whole other way of looking at it. You well, know?
0: everybody's looking at that. They all want to be an EGOT winner, you know, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony. And so they have to go to television if they want to get that Emmy and, uh, you know, to fill out their EGOT thing. So, Rita Morano.
1: Yeah. Rita Morano.
0: She was one of the first, you know, one of the first when nobody knew what that was. Was. And well it does uh, sound like a ride
1: yeah. at Epcot Center, I have yeah. to admit.
0: But she got her Emmy, you know, for a kid show, you know, the electric hey, company. Wherever
1: you get your Emmy is where you get them. And, and then she Morgan won it. Morgan Freeman some was, on, was on it. Morgan on Freeman, those. I exactly. know. Exactly. There you so, go. Anyway. The question is, who will be the next big star to move from the big screen to the small screen? We're gonna have to find uh, out. I'm waiting for
0: Jack Nicholson.
1: Let me know when that happens. I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> I don't think that one's gonna happen okay. with Jack. That's what I want to see. Having said Jack. that, here's a word from our sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by the critically acclaimed drama Queen Sugar from Oscar-nominated filmmaker Ava DuVernay, executive producer Oprah Winfrey, and Warner Horizon scripted television for OWN. Variety says Queen Sugar is visually stunning. Essence raves that it is gorgeous in its honesty, and TV Guide magazine calls it powerful for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Now here we're gonna cut away to something that happened at our Deadline Contenders Emmys event on April 9th. We're gonna to talk to American Crimes casting creatives. TV Line's Michael Osiello sat down with them and talked about the timeliness of their season three and how it focuses around the very timely issue of immigration in America.
3: Michael, did you ever um, imagine um, that the timeliness of this season back when you started producing it just in terms of the immigration stuff specifically?
4: Did, did I ever imagine? Did you uh, imagine we'd be in this, this political climate? Hoped. I mean, I think when we started, John and I first started talking about this, which is about 18 months ago, you know, the the election was just starting to go into swing. It was a conversation that people were having uh, about immigration and, and labor and the, the disparity in our country. And um, I think for us, the shock is that you know, the other side won if, you know, to reveal that. But now I think it's, it, it is, I I'd hoped that it wouldn't have been as relevant as it is right now. I had hoped that when we started this conversation that, that we, had, we would move towards a direction where we could make some changes. And I think unfortunately we've moved in the opposite direction as a country. So I'm proud that ABC is willing to put this out there and start this conversation in a way that is really relevant right now.
3: So. And, and for the cast, how, what, what was it like t- to be shooting these episodes seeing what was going on in the real world and, and you know, just how real this struggle is? Benino, let will start with you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it, the approach um, was all about respect and, and uh, integrity for the people that we, re- we were representing. Uh, we wanted to respect the farms, the farm workers, the, uh, the environment that we were uh, portraying and bring a truthfulness to the character. My character was coming from the outside, so he himself was exploring this new world while he was trying to find his son. Um, within that story, you know, you, that's, there's where you find the hardship of, of the immigrant story and the, and, the, and the movement and everything else. So I always wanted to have a healthy, clear mind that I wasn't doing something political, I was trying to do something more of a, for lack of a better word, more spiritual and just be about this guy. And within that that reveal, everybody has the same kind of um, journey with my character. Um, and, uh, and to maintain that level of respect and integrity for the people that we're talking about, um, it was paramount and we all discussed it, the crew, the wardrobe, the, the, everyone, we always talked about it. And uh, an interesting thing started happening as, as the, we were going from episode to episode, we all were coming back with stories about, now when I sit down to eat, I wonder where did this tomato come from? Mm-hmm. Mm. Where did this piece of lettuce come from? Uh, we, we, we ourselves were waking up to the, the thing where we were, were talking about. Um, so yeah, but it was always from a place of respect and integrity.
3: And uh, Felicity and Regina, your characters this season are so different from last season. I know that's one of the appeals of being on this series. It's every season, it's, it's something different. I'm curious, um, how much input or in collaboration is there on the characters? And, and Michael, maybe you can weigh in on this. Um, or do you just you trust and say, I'll, I'll play whatever you want? Or is there a conversation like, I'd, I'd really like something a little different? Or in your case, I'd like, really like to be a sympathetic figure this season. <laughs>
2: Um, I think both. I think trust. We are. We are part of this family, and we know um, uh, we uh, know the integrity that John and Michael have. And um, I think all they have to do is just put up the light, and we'll follow. Huh. <laughs> um, I uh, I feel like just piggybacking on what Benito said. I think for me, it was just everything coming from an honest place, and we have a conversation with John um, early on, and he gives us a little, some broad strokes of who he's looking at us playing, and we respond and we have a bit of input, and from that conversation, they take that back to the writer's room, and this is what you get.
1: Also joining us at our Deadline Contenders Emmys event in April was filmmaker Ron Howard. Now, Ron Howard is the director and executive producer of Nat Geo's Genius, the first installment of which recently debuted and is about Albert Einstein. Howard, who is making his initial foray into scripted drama on television, sat down with Deadline co-editor-in-chief Mike Fleming to talk about what we know about Einstein and what we can learn about him.
6: The first image you see is, you see the, the familiar, you know, chalky equations but then you watch the equation get smeared, but as an elderly Randy Einstein backs his mistress into a into the blackboard as he is buggering her. Now I had never considered that part of his life, <laughs> um, and so now you know, Ron, you directed the pilot. Explain the challenges uh, and the opportunities in broadening. The exploration of Einstein, beyond the E equals MC squared and other formulas that most of us might have had a tough time connecting with? Well,
7: well, m- most enticing uh, it w- it were the, 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 the opportunity to delve into all these aspects of Einstein that you don't know. I mean, as, as a young guy, he, he, was, he was a free thinker, a very bohemian, a very romantic uh, this is not like John Nash from Beautiful Mind, an introvert who hides out. He loved his music. He loved women. He loved nature. He and 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 that what is that? That's that's physics. That's the physical world. And uh, you know his his determination to understand just kept driving him. So it was the you know it was the epitome of uh, of, of curiosity that was that was fueling him. And over the years, I'd I'd looked at. Treatments for movies about Einstein and and a, 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 a script about Einstein many years ago, and and I, I never felt that the narrative served the character in the right way for you know a two-hour movie. And when I read Noah Pink's um, script, his hour that came from uh, Gigi Pritzker's company, Odd Lot, right, um, and and then I read. Walter Isaacson's book, and it it was full of those kinds of surprises, like understanding Einstein's libido, and 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 uh, and it's not just for fun, and or it's titillating, or it 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 describes him as a complete human being, Hmm. you know, foibles and all, warts and all, and it and it also describes in detail the the all the obstacles to his achieving his greatness, his sharing his ideas. And sometimes he was his own, you know, sort of worst enemy when he would, he would uh, um, you know, he would, he would shock uh, people uh, on, on a kind of a social level. Um, but he also became a target. I and mean, he was, you know, he was on, a, he was on a, a, a Nazi hit list.
6: Yeah, well, you know, there is this interesting clash between his cold logic and him needing to be reminded to grieve when his friend dies um, or to make allowances for the feelings of people with inferior intellect, like his wife, um, when he when he when when he's with his mistress. And you know, I, I, at Beautiful Mind, uh, and then Jeffrey Rush's Oscar turn as uh, David Helfgott in Shine, it's telling us something about the thin line between genius and madness. You know, when you consider it, is that power, is that powerful intellect the equivalent of a superpower, or is it a burden?
7: Well, it's studied this. That's the question, and that's the double-edged sword, and I I hope that this series, particularly having the time to let you look at, um, you know, the entire reach of his life, um, you know, it—it—I'm it, it, not sure it answers the questions. Yeah. Uh, but it—it it, it certainly dramatizes it, including later in his life. And you can imagine what Jeffrey Rush did with Einstein in those years, looking back at what he'd gained, what what he'd achieved, what he still wished he could achieve. You know, within his field, but also um, his life. The th- you know the relationships that, that had managed to somehow thrive in some way. Um, and what they meant to him and, and the ones that were, uh, had, had been lost you know, uh, and damaged along the way. So it's a very humanistic story. This week's episode is brought to you by the critically acclaimed drama Queen
1: Sugar from Oscar-nominated filmmaker Ava DuVernay, executive producer Oprah Winfrey, and Warner Horizon scripted television for OWN. Variety says Queen Sugar is visually stunning. Essence raves that it is gorgeous in its honesty, and TV Guide magazine calls it powerful for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Ending today's show, we're gonna talk about Best Limited Series, the Best Limited Series category for this year's Emmys. Now, let's think about it. Last year, of course, the winner was The People vs. O.J. Simpson American Crime Story. This, there was also American Crime Season 2, Fargo Season 2, The Night Manager from AMC and the BBC, and the, and the Roots Revival. This year, it could be anyone. Yes,
0: and that's the great thing about Best Limited Series. You know, it's, it's hard for me to define now what is a limited series versus what is a regular series. And I, what is
1: an event series?
0: And what is an event series? I do remember What's when I— What's a miniseries? Well, I, w- I remember when I was on the board of the TV Academy of um, Ryan Murphy— Petitioned us to make American uh, Crime Story, uh, American Horror Story, uh, a limited series every year because he said the actors change roles, so that's enough to say it's not a continuing series. Well, look what
1: happened. Netflix were successful this year in having Gilmore Girls, a year in the life, which was which was their re- revival with the same actors uh, of, the, of the, the acclaimed show. They got the TV Academy to agree to see that as a limited series, yeah. so that's potentially a player. And but you know, it a seems lot of like if
0: you there. are a series, you know, and you start as a limited series, you should acknowledge that you should be in the drama series category, because look, Downton Abbey did that. Downton Abbey started and won the best uh, miniseries category at the time, and then the next year they said, we're coming back and we're going to be a regular series now. And I I thought that was the right way to play it.
1: But see, I mean, I think in many ways, and and, you know, I disagree with a lot of what John Langroff says about there being too too much TV in in some sense. And also, I'll I'll also say, John Langroff and FX make a lot of the really great too much TV. Yeah. Um but you know I think people are moving around with the categories because they need to find a place that fits yeah. and and there's just a or lot or choose a place
0: there's, where there's not as much competition but there's
1: so much competition now there is everywhere now right? there is right? but I, I think everywhere. they
0: were choosing you know go into limited series for for instance with American Horror Story because it wouldn't have had that kind of shot in the best drama series category it just wouldn't have but here it can get 16, 17 nominations uh, every year and FX knows how to play that and so they were smart in doing that and you know the question that came up, interestingly enough, when when we were deciding this, was did it have a pilot?
3: Ah. Because
0: you know a limited series wouldn't have a pilot, and Interesting. and uh, and we did find out that it. Didn't really have an official pilot that went in is that way?
1: Well, I mean, looking at looking at what could be some of the real players this year in this category. We've got American Crime season three, which I thought was by far one of the best things on television. I mean, John Ridley just did amazing, amazing, and so timely that episode. You've got Big Little Lies that had Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon. You've got season three in. Installment three, sorry, yeah. <laughs> of Fargo, you've got Feud, Betty and Joan. You've got HBO's The Night of, which I really think is is the one to beat. Actually, I really do. Isn't that a series? Is that coming back? I don't know if it is. Oh, it's not? I don't know. Okay. I mean, it's hard to tell. You've got American Horror Story, the latest one. You've got John Ridley's Gorilla which yeah. is fun. I mean, John Ridley might be battling John Ridley here. You've right. got the young Pope, which was a Jude Law, yeah. but you know, that's, I think that's you know, definitely a limited there's, series. There's more there.
0: Yeah, and then yeah. of course you've got black mirror, which is which, an anthology.
1: Yeah. And then, but then you have, you have stars, the missing, which had, you know, which is an anthology. This, this past season had an, an amazing performance by David Morrissey. And then, and as we've mentioned, there's also Gilmore girls, which could be there, but then there's the wild card here. And I don't know how this one works, Twin Peaks. Yeah. Because here's the thing, okay? That's a Uh, series. Well... It's, I don't know if there's going to be... advertising as back as a series. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think there's going to be more. I mean, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, well, I don't know knows? what I don't know what David Nevin. That that's guy another one that's
0: premiering at Can, by but, the way. But
1: here's the thing. But <laughs> here's the thing about that. Yeah. Now, it premiering at Can, and it starts on May twenty first, and yes. they're very tight with it. This is like this is the crown jewels. No previews, no screeners. There's going to be an event here in LA, but they're embargoing the hell out of everything. So if you've got a watch that's got a battery in it, they're going to take that away from you before you can walk in the theater. Right. It pre- it, it debuts on the Twenty first, you have to show more than half yes. of whatever you're nominating mm-hmm. before May thirty first. Right. So, are they going to drop a bunch of it online somewhere, or how are they going to? Well, I think the rule is, a is you app? can
0: show it, and then you continue to show it, and as long as you've done six episodes or something, you're okay. Yeah, but they, yeah.
1: that means they've got to show six episodes. No, they don't.
0: Not before. They can do it uh, into June. And qualify it that way. As long as they do uh, start it, you know, it's it's sort of like a movie opening for Oscar qualification. As long as it opens by December thirty first and then plays seven days, it's fine. It so, can play those okay. seven See, that days. that was different
1: than my understanding. My yeah. understanding was is you had to show you had to show at least half of it before May thirty first.
0: Yeah, that's it's a rule called the dangling series. It came up because there were these dangling series, and they made this that there were six episodes. But if they continue on, I believe it's eligible. But we can check that out with the. Television. If anybody knows, uh, please call in. I'll give you the number. It's five five five. No, it's not really.
1: But no. But send <laughs> send, send send us an email or, or, or yeah. send us a tweet. I'm at and Deadline Dominic and and Pete's at Deadline Pete. Yeah. Because this is this is one that really yeah. intrigues. Because yeah. let's be clear, if Twin Peaks is eligible, that's really going to prove a contender or a challenger to the night of, in my opinion. Yeah, it
0: could. It could. Although I think the real. Uh, race here is Feud. Uh, Betty and Joan, I, I know FX told me they expect 22 nominations, something like that. Because I always
1: hate it when people actually give a number. Well, down to the craft. Because now then you didn't make it, then you didn't make it. It's got such craft to it, uh, and that's every well, group in the I Academy. Mean, a lot of people talk about the episode. I know that you did a piece on it, the episode yeah. that takes place, Oscar night, 1962. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. Don't lose touch of all those other episodes, which nail it just as great. Great, yeah. that one it was just pivotal, and it really was. It, basically, yeah. right in the middle of the season. Yeah. But there is so much great work in Feud. Yeah. So much great work. Yeah. The actors. Amazing, yeah, all of the them. supporting, amazing. Yeah, um, you know, uh, so it gets Stanley multiple Tucci acting alone. Relations. I mean, it was just like Stanley Tucci, I mean, crazy and uh, you know, I mean, Allison uh, Wright. I mean, yeah. a lot of people don't even realize uh, how important her role is. But if you get an opportunity, go back and binge watch Feud, and yeah. you'll see her role as Alfred Molito's assistant and a very ambitious and a woman trying to make her way. She in was Hollywood. good.
0: What about Jackie Hoffman as uh, yeah. Ma- uh, Mamacita? What, uh, <laughs> what about Catherine Zeta-Jones? Yeah, I don't think she's going to get anywhere in this. Hey man, yeah. hey,
1: man, if Judy Dench got an Oscar, don't be knocking the Catherine <laughs> I, Zeta. I, I think There's you're pushing There's a lot it of talent there. There's Kathy always— Kathy
0: Bates and Catherine Zeta-Jones were fun, but that's not going to get you, now, you
1: just say that back to yourself. You're you're saying that you would put Catherine Zeta-Jones and Kathy Bates as non-contenders? I think if you just say their name, they become contenders. Well, maybe. And if that's
0: the case, then, you know, uh, then it gets like 33 nominations.
1: But you're right. I mean, feud is (laughs) strong, but I really do think the night of...
0: Because, what about Big Little Lies from HBO if we're going to well, talk HBO? I know but, but I think but I think That's part, the one that everyone's part of talking what about. What happens
1: with limited series here? and let's look at last yeah. year as an example. Limited series really plays into the time and place of its time and place, yeah. right? The OJ story last year really as we saw Police violence as we saw violence against minorities, African Americans specifically happen across as we saw rise of Black Lives Matter happen right. in this country. That story of from back in the nineties really had, had new juice in yeah, the good. pond. It was good. The night of with its story about, about the about the criminal justice system, even under the Trump administration where it's being, up, they're cracking down a lot harder, whereas the Obama administration in its final years, we're trying to find ways to ease some of the pain that many, many Americans feel in the justice system. You know, that story of a man lost in that system and broken and changed by that system, I think that is something that resonates with Emmy voters. And I think it resonates because it's part of our time. Feud is a great Hollywood story. You don't think
0: it's important that Betty Davis and Joan Crawford fought over winning another Oscar? Are you comparing I the-
1: I, <laughs> I feel the word important like the word when you go see a friend's film or show and they say what did you think and you hated it and you say it was very interesting so you're saying that 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 show was frivolous and I'm saying that no I'm not saying it's frivolous but I'm saying that I think this category in particular I think when it comes to best to to lead actress I think you just got to get out of the way of Jessica Lange and Susan Sarandon because that's what's happening that's true I think in this particular category the timeliness and the poignancy that seems to always be attached to it the night of is really really the one unless Twin Peaks can get in there yeah, which and we'll, that throws my whole theory out the window yeah, by the way which we
0: have to find out can Twin Peaks get in there we'll find out <laughs> we, as, as David Lynch would
1: recommend we we're going to meditate on this for we're going to and meditate and find the way yeah. to it yeah. now yeah. thank you so much for listening to us today as we really went on and we know it yeah. thank you for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV Talk you can find me as I've already self-advertised at Deadline Dominic on Twitter and you can find me
0: on Twitter at Deadline
1: Peak. and of course as we say every week because it's the truth so we have to tell you it's not Fake news is the real news. You can find all of our Emmy breaking news and all of the breaking news in Hollywood at Deadline.com each and every day.
0: Today's show was produced and edited by David Janov.
1: Thank you very much for joining us. We'll talk to you later.